Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The United States will stand with Israel. We should be aggressively trying to get to the ceasefire point. The number one impediment to our economy is getting people back to work. They're being paid $20 an hour to not work. Before the CDC made the recommendation change, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Oh, yes. We'll get to Anthony Fauci in a little bit. Fauci. Uh, <laughs> Anthony Fauci. Uh, the big story, though, here in eastern North Carolina, across the state, and for that matter, it's making national news. Pasquotank County District Attorney R. Andrew Womble claimed that law enforcement, the uh, killing of Andrew Brown by law enforcement, was justified. He shared the results of an independent investigation by the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigations earlier today. Womble said the three deputies that fired their weapons, Investigator Daniel Meads, Deputy Robert Morgan, and Corporal Aaron Llewellyn, won't face charges. While tragic, the shooting of Mr. Brown was justified due to his actions, Womble said. Here is the district attorney, Andrew Womble, making the statement from earlier this morning, cut one. On Wednesday, April 21st, 2021, Andrew Brown Jr. of Elizabeth City, North Carolina, was shot and killed by three deputies with the Pasquotank County Sheriff's Office. This incident occurred at the residence of Mr. Brown, located at 421 Perry Street in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. After reviewing the investigation conducted by the North Carolina State Bureau of Investigation, Mr. Brown's death, while tragic, was justified because Mr. Brown's actions caused three deputies with the Pasquotank County Sheriff's Office to reasonably believe it was necessary to use deadly force to protect themselves and others. That was the key statement. His uh, press conference went about 45 minutes. It was... um Interesting. I, I thought his demeanor, Andrew Womble's demeanor during the press conference, w- was a little shaken. I, I thought this was this well, this was not an easy press conference for him to get through. And I think I, I think he sincerely felt like it was tragic. At the same time, he also it's it's up to him to decide whether or not to press charges. He said we would not press charges. Yeah, and I, I think it's important to note, and he noted it. But you know, around the state, I hear. So many. I heard some comments already, um, but it, it's important to point that it was the SBI's investigation. Right. It wasn't his it's investigation. It's not his investigation. It's his job to to look at the investigation based on the results of the invest, investigation. Is it justified to warrant charges against the police? Right. So, you know, I've heard a lot of people already commenting across the state, um, <clears throat> obviously for political purposes, but it was not his investigation. Right. Just like in any case, it's not his investigation. That's law enforcement's responsibility. And then the district attorney, based on the law, determines if charges should be brought. The press conference was such that he made a statement initially. Then he went through very meticulously, and I'm going to play the audio for you. It's about four minutes long. Very meticulously went slide by slide. It wasn't the video, although they did end up showing all four videos from the body cams of the uh, individual deputies who um, took uh, uh, shot their weapons at Andrew Brown. 
uh, showed all four videos. Uh, I mentioned this last week, Benny, and, and you and I were just talking before we went on the air. I've got mixed emotions on using body cam video. It does tell a story, but I, I think it's important to always remember it doesn't tell the entire story. You are looking through the lens of a camera, and it's it's not even a wide-angle lens. It's a, it's a straight lens, and so your peripheral vision on a camera is, is highly limited. You're not seeing 360 degrees around you. You don't know what's going on behind you. You're looking straight ahead uh, through the eyes of the camera, and it, it never gives the entire full story. Saying that, he took slides from the different cameras and went through and explained to the press, and there was a lot of press there, there was national press there today, uh, explaining slide by slide what went on. Now, I've edited this down because there are a lot of pauses in between the slides. It probably went close to 10 minutes. I've got it down to about four minutes. It is intact. I mean, everything that he said in this, in this slide presentation, I've got there. So you can hear his description of uh, the, the, the explanation of the actions of the deputy, of the actions of Andrew Brown. Here is uh, uh, District Attorney Womble from earlier today. You're looking at Deputy Llewellyn's body cam, and he went around the Pasquotank County truck. He approached from the, the passenger side. Deputy Bishop, Sergeant Meads were directly in front of Brown's vehicle, and Deputy Morgan approached last and positioned himself between Deputy Bishop and Sergeant Meads. Brown was holding his phone when law enforcement approached. Brown threw the phone down and began to rapidly back his car away from the officers. Deputy Lunsford's hand was still on the driver's door handle as Brown's car reversed and the handle was snatched out of his hand. At this moment, Deputy Lunsford yelled out and Deputy Lunsford was pulled over the hood of Brown's vehicle where his body and his safety equipment were struck by the vehicle. Deputy Lunsford's left arm was squarely on the hood. Deputy Lunsford took evasive action to get out of the way of the front left tire of Brown's vehicle and law enforcement commands became more heated with profanities shouted for Brown to stop the car. Brown ignored the officer's commands and backed his car until he was blocked by the rear of his residence. Brown then put the car in drive and turned the steering wheel left directly at law enforcement officers who had now surrounded his vehicle. Despite this tense situation and the aggressive driving by Mr. Brown, no law enforcement officer fired a shot. As Brown's car starts forward, Deputy Lunsford was now positioned directly in front of the vehicle and all officers were shouting commands to stop. Brown ignored the commands and drove directly at Deputy Lunsford. Deputy Lunsford used his left hand to push off of the hood. It was at this moment that the first shot is fired. Deputy Lunsford then spun out of the way to avoid being run over by Brown's vehicle. According to the North Carolina Justice Academy forensic analyst Kaysen Reynolds, the first shot was fired by Sergeant Meads and it entered the front windshield of Mr. Brown's car. Let me say that again. It entered the front windshield of Mr. Brown's car. Brown's car continued forward, passing Deputy Lunsford, Deputy Morgan, and Sergeant Meads, and several shots are heard. One shot entered the passenger window and struck Brown in the shoulder. Several more entered the rear passenger side door 
and window. Brown's vehicle then accelerated across the vacant lot next to 421 Perry Street and five additional shots entered the rear windshield and trunk of Brown's vehicle. At this moment, Brown was driving directly at investigator Johnson, who was positioned on Roanoke Avenue in an unmarked white van. Lieutenant Judd was positioned on the corner of Roanoke and Perry in an unmarked white Crown Victoria. Brown's car narrowly missed striking the van operated by investigator Johnson, who accelerated to avoid the collision. Brown's vehicle crossed Roanoke Avenue and struck a tree in the residence on Roanoke Avenue and came to rest. Pasquotank County team gave chase, removed Brown from the driver's seat, and life-saving efforts were immediately begun. At 8.24, deputies notified dispatch of shots fired. Emergency medical services were requested at 8.26 a.m. Lieutenant Judd was a supervising officer. He was on the scene at the time of the shooting. Other supervising officers of Pasquotank County Sheriff's Office arrived, including Chief Deputy Fogg, who collected the weapons and cell phones of the officers who fired. All of the following is clearly depicted on the body cameras that were operational and functioning properly on April 21, 2021. They were being warned by the aforementioned Pasquotank County Sheriff's officers. The total length of officer involvement with Mr. Brown from the time they exited the vehicle until Mr. Brown was removed from the vehicle is 44 seconds. That was uh, t- uh, District Attorney Andrew Womble giving the play-by-play of what happened during the uh, Uh, search warrants that were trying to be served on Andrew Brown. He tried to escape uh, in during during his uh, escape. Basically, Womble was basically saying that he was using his car as a weapon and the officers that fired upon Andrew Brown were justified in their actions. And you were just saying that uh, WITN just came out with a report that uh, the sheriff up there, Tommy Wooten is his last name, I think. Uh, Tommy Wooten, yes, yeah. Tommy Wooten says the deputies involved in shooting will keep jobs disciplined and retrained. Okay, disciplined. Disciplined, yes. Now so, that's curious. Well, it probably means, and I'm just speculating that maybe there was some type of policy or procedure that was not followed. Which you know, <clears throat> not following policies and pre- procedures doesn't necessarily warrant criminal charges. Right. So, right. and and I'm just speculating. Um, I don't see much in the article that says that anything about that. But um, yeah, nothing that um, that says that. So, that you know, they could could have been some policies that it didn't follow. Again, the North Carolina SBI says even though it conducted the investigation, it does not make any determinations as to whether criminal charges should be filed and or determined if a person's actions are justified or not. That decision is left up to the district attorney. And again, Andrew Womble, the DA, has said he will not uh, file charges. Brown's family members, who last week were able to view view additional footage from the incident, have called the shooting an execution. The family released a statement on Tuesday after Womble's announcement saying uh, that uh, calling the shooting justified was both an insult and a slap in the face. Andrew Brown Jr., his grieving family, this is the statement, Andrew Andrew Brown Jr. and his grieving family and the community deserve answers and they received anything but from D.A. Womble's attempt to whitewash this unjustified killing. 
To say this shooting was justified despite the known facts is both an insult and a slap in the face to Andrew's family, the Elizabeth City community, and to rational people everywhere. Not only was the car moving away from officers, but four of them did not fire their weapons. Clearly, they did not feel that their lives were in danger. And the bottom line is that Andrew was killed by a shot to the back of his head. Interestingly, none of these issues were appropriately addressed in today's press conference. The North Carolina uh, State Bureau of Investigation said in its statement that it would not release a report, something that the family said would help shed some much-needed daylight on this case and bring a small measure of justice to this family and this community because we certainly got neither transparency nor justice today. We request that the Federal Department of Justice intervene immediately, which I would not be surprised if they did, the Biden administration's Department of Justice. The family lawyers have called on Womble to be removed from the case due to a conflict of interest, although I don't know what that interest is, conflict of interest is. The FBI has also launched their own civil rights probe into the case. After the announcement from Womble, protesters outside showed their disappointment. The county announced Tuesday morning that all downtown county offices closed at 10 a.m. prior to Womble's announcement. You know, one of the things that you've got to remember that, um, again, we were talking before we went on the air, you were telling me the story of two young adults down in Kinston who had cocaine that was laced with fentanyl, took it, and immediately died. And, you know, you, you, you've got to remember that this was a felon who had resisted arrest before and was a drug pusher. And, uh, you, you know, how many times have we heard stories that we grit our teeth and clench our fist in anger at drug pushers who have pushed a substance that have ruined lives and taken away lives. And, uh, yeah, and Mr. Brown, I mean, Andrew Brown had been convicted. Oh. Um, and this, these charges was for selling uh, heroin laced with fentanyl, which is, is literally like, like killing, them. I mean, killing somebody. I mean, right. you're selling them something that can kill them immediately. And obviously he's been charged before for resisting arrest. Um, you know the police uh, and the sheriffs in this instance. If if they were going to a you know arrest Tom Lamprick with no record, um, they're probably going to approach you a little differently. Than well, Tom, Tom Lamprick's not going to try to run over anybody. Yeah, uh, but but I mean he had had a history of this resisting arrests, and um, so I mean they're treating them differently. I guess I mean they should. The question I have, if we've got any lawyers out there, criminal lawyers that can answer this, the term that. District Attorney Wommel kept using that the shooting was justified. I just didn't know if that was a legal term or not. And if it is, then obviously he, he said the right term. But to me, you know, I mean, his job was to review the investigation and see if it warranted criminal charges. And by the way, during the press conference, he went through a litany of who was talked to, who was right. interviewed, and, uh, I mean, he spent 10 minutes just talking about all the steps that were taken since the uh, uh, shooting happened back on April the 21st. And it's been a long, I'm sure, well, it's not over for him yet. Unfortunately for him and the folks up in Elizabeth City, this is going to be an ongoing situation for a while, most likely. And, again, I think you're going to have the FBI, and I would not be surprised 
if the Joe Biden Department of Justice decides to get involved. Well, I think they have a Department of Justice um, uh, civil rights investigation underway. I think that's already been been named, but not necessarily a criminal investigation. But one thing I want to point out, you know, and I've seen in, on Twitter and the media today, and you just mentioned it when they talked about, uh, you know, the conflict of interest. Right. <laughs> there is no conflict of interest. The district attorney does not report to the sheriff. He's elected by the people. He didn't do the investigation. The State Bureau of Investigation did the investigation. That reports the Department of Public Safety. Department of Public Safety, uh, Director of the Department of Public Safety, is appointed by the governor of North Carolina. So. Well, again, this this conflict of interest accusation comes from Andrew Brown's family's attorney, and these same attorneys have made all kinds of wild, speculative, inaccurate statements. They called it an ambush. They called it an execution. They said the first f- shots fired were uh, to the back of the to head, the of the head the and head. Womble made it very clear, no, that was not the case. Uh, the first shots that were fired came as at, from the person that he was about to run over that was in front of the car. So, uh, you know, it, it doesn't help matters. I understand attorneys have got to make their case, but to, to make your case in the court of public opinion uh, in in such a way that has been just uh, has been stated, it, it does it does no favors to anybody that's actually trying to reveal the truth. And again, I don't have a dog in this issue, but um, uh, it, it's pretty obvious that some of the statements that were made were were highly inaccurate. We're going to take a time out. Lots more to talk about on this Tuesday edition of News and Views with Tom and Benny. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome back in. Taking a look at your weather forecast tonight, some patchy frog. Some patchy frog. (laughs) Say frog, really? Frog, but I meant to say fog after 5 a.m. Otherwise, clear low around 55. Tomorrow, again, some early morning fog. Sunny and uh, high near 84 in the afternoon. Tomorrow night, mostly clear, low around 57. Thursday, sunshine with a high of 88. You see that beautiful sunrise this morning, or you were still inspecting your eyelids? Uh, I was up early. The sun was probably had broken across the horizon. Oh, it's beautiful. But I did not. I, did, I was not out there. Actually, my house is surrounded by trees, so I can't actually see it coming up over the horizon. But I'll take your word for it. Specialty FDR, the fencing and roofing company, is partnering with Texas Roadhouse in a fundraiser event to support Greenville Police Department Detective Nikki Verndon's medical fund. Nikki, a 14-year veteran with the department, was involved in a very serious automobile crash this past March on U.S. 264 near the pitt Beaufort County line. She was traveling on her way back to Greenville from training at Beaufort County Community College when she was hit head-on by a vehicle that was traveling on the wrong side of the road. Mm-hmm. On Sunday, this coming Sunday, May the 23rd, while dining at Texas Roadhouse, when you're there, tell them you want to support Detective Nikki, and Texas Roadhouse will give back 10% of all sales, and then Specialty FDR will match the total amount. Shirts will also be av- available for purchase for $15, and any donations are welcome as well. Nikki and her husband, Mark, are dedicated law officers. They love our community. Pray for the family. Help them recover financially with their medical bills. 
And a special thank you to Texas Roadhouse and Specialty FDR. You know, we were talking uh, about the uh, situation up in Elizabeth City. From the time the officers pulled up in their automobiles, and, well, it was really a pickup truck. They're all in the back of a pickup truck. To the time Andrew Brown's car ran into a tree across the street on Roanoke Avenue, 44 seconds. Mm-hmm. So it was, I mean, it, it, when, you, when you think about the adrenaline running and everything else, it, it happens quick. And it, it's pretty hard to describe, well, I'd do this. I, if I was there, I would have done yep. this. I mean, it, it is, it, it's hard to put yourself in that position. You know, the other thing, too, is the family said, well, four of the officers didn't fire their weapons. Therefore, that must mean that they didn't think that the shooting was justified. Well, if you look at the video, it was basically police officers surrounding the car 360 degrees. If all the officers had fired, it would have been a circular firing squad. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure the reason why more shots weren't released from the from the arms of of those other four detectives was they were fearful of, of hitting one of the other detectives who were in in range of uh, right standing right in the firing line so it was um anyway again this this story has not uh, ceased by any means five six one eight two five five let's go to randy hey randy how are you sir hey randy hey tom benny i hope you guys are doing well just uh i try to keep this brief uh, first thing, Tom, a little before the commercial, you, you mentioned you didn't have a dog in the fight. Uh, I'm going to politely challenge you on that. I believe we all have a dog in this fight because this, like all the other dust-ups over these issues, has to do with personal responsibility and accountability and the destruction of that, which has been done through so many venues, is important to all of us. We've, we've got to have accountability for our actions. Whether you're a law enforcement or a citizen, if you do stupid things or if you do bad things, you ought to expect bad outcomes. Well, my, my words were probably a little glibly given, but what I meant by that was I, I, I do not have any side, any inside knowledge as to what went on I don't have a, a special, you know, a kinship to either the defense or or the family members. I, I'm just I'm an outside observer, but I probably was too glib in making that statement. So thank you, Randy. No, 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 no. We I know you. I know kind of thinking similarly. So I, but I, I was just taking opportunity to kind of remind people that yes, it does matter, and these issues we need to pay attention to them. We need to speak up. Uh, one other thing about the civil case, uh, just as a matter of law in North Carolina, if you are found immune to criminal prosecution for the justifiable use of deadly force, then you are also immune to civil prosecution. Now, whether the federal people get involved and apply some overarching pressure or not, but I do understand that to be... That's interesting. I I was not aware of that. I was not aware of that. That's interesting. But I but be prepared. I will be I will be shocked if the Biden administration, either via the FBI and a civil lawsuit or the Department of Justice with a civil lawsuit, I will be shocked if if they don't get involved. I'm I'm fully expecting. Yeah, I, absolutely. If I may, real quickly, and I get out of your way, the Coastal Carolina taxpayers in Newport tonight is hosting a back the blue 
uh, ceremony where they're recognizing law enforcement in our community and certainly would urge people to come out. That's at Stanley Hall Ballroom, downtown Newburn, 7 o'clock. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Randy. Appreciate all you guys do. Take care. You too. Appreciate it. Carolina Journal is reporting North Carolina is among the top five states in the nation on metrics such as tax rates, size of state government, and income transfer programs, according to a new report from the American Legislative Exchange Council. Only four states, Utah, Florida, Oklahoma, and Wyoming, came in ahead of North Carolina and the ALEC's economic outlook rankings. The Tar Heel State ranked fifth in last year's report as well. New York, Vermont, New Jersey, Illinois, and Minnesota ranked as the bottom five states. Hmm. How about that? Yeah, and as a matter of politics, um, I mean, this is just facts. You say it's politics, but before the Republicans took over the General Assembly in North Carolina, we were way, way down that list. Way down that list. Brian Balfour said, quote, this lofty ranking reflects a decade of sound, responsible fiscal responsibility by conservative leaders in the General Assembly. He is the senior vice president of research at John Locke. Sensible restraints on spending growth have enabled aggressive tax reforms that have made North Carolina far more competitive for investment and job growth. Our state's bright economic outlook is especially good news for those on the margins of employment because it means more opportunities for those who would be left behind in a more stagnant economy. Uh, I I agree with that. And uh, while we have uh, the Emperor Cooper in the governor's mansion, we do have a very conservative state legislature. And quite frankly, I think, um, uh, you know, we were really running on all four, all six cylinders, all eight cylinders when uh, Pat McCrory was in there with the uh, uh, General Assembly. But um, nonetheless, the General Assembly that is controlled by conservatives is uh, doing a good job. And, and these type of statistics and information just brings me to the point of, and I, and I get in some debates with Republicans and Democrats about this sometimes, I, I do not like incentives. Um, you know, we get disappointed sometimes when South Carolina or right. someone beats us on incentives. But if our goal is to make you know, fair and competitive for everyone, make people want to come to North Carolina, right. you don't have to pay off people to come here. I agree, and that has been a pet peeve of mine as well for a long, long time. Why are because essentially, when you dole out a lot of money to attract an Apple or an Amazon or a, a Dell or somebody like that, who's paying for it? Yeah, it's it's the people who are already here who have invested. So while you're rewarding this big company with the idea, okay, they're going to create a lot of jobs. Quite frankly, a large company, no matter how large they are, does not compare to the numerous small family businesses across the strait. It doesn't even come close. Yeah. And what are you, what are you saying to someone that's been here for 25, 30 yeah. years, continuing to build their business, invest in North Carolina? We're taking you for granted. Employing 2,000 people. Yeah. You're less important than someone that's exactly. to come in. Exactly. And there's a lot of people that would uh, yeah debate us on oh, that and disagree I, on I that. I get but. debated all the time about it, but I, I tell my Republican friends, just like the Democrat friends, you guys like incentives when you're in control. You you don't like incentives when you're not in control. That's what it boils down to. Five six one eight two five five. Let's go to Steve in Washington. Hey Steve, welcome in. Hey Steve. Uh, hi Tom. Hi Denny. So, then what y'all thought about Tennessee adopting uh, what's essentially the same as North Carolina's HB two? Their governor apparently just signed it yesterday. 
I have got to admit, Steve, I, I read a lot of stories every day. I have not, uh, I've not read that story yet. That was in Breitbart today. Okay, I did I have not seen that. Tennessee is a very conservative yeah. state. Very. Uh, so yeah, that, that it's it's good company to keep. Uh, it, what, what's interesting about that, you know, it's everybody's excited about Christy Nome coming in, um, the HB two bill, and the transgender sports bills are uh you know the the new version of the controversy over over hb2 but uh christy Nome vetoed that bill or she wouldn't sign it uh did she actually veto it or she let it die i can't remember i think she let it die i think but um yeah that's that's interesting stuff by the way steve i know you're an attorney while we've got you on the phone what is the legal definition of justified uh, when uh, womble says that the shooting was justified well, from what I gather of what I've read and heard of the facts, um, they were in danger themselves physically because the, right. uh, it was an attempt to move the car backwards and forwards and run over officers. So it was essentially self-defense. Okay. So is justified a legal term, or is that just a practical term that Womble was using? Well, I mean, the term justifiable homicide is one that's used in the law. Um, and uh, certainly, I, I think from what I read of the facts, uh, that it was certainly a justified situation to, to defend themselves. Interesting stuff. A, 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 a car is a deadly weapon. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially when uh, you've got a rap sheet as long as uh, Andrew Brown had. And yeah. uh, he had resisted arrest before. So, I mean, I mean some of these jihadist terrorists in europe are now using trucks cars whatever to run into crowds well 9-11 they used airplanes right mm-hmm. yeah 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 all right steve thanks for the call appreciate it we'll, we'll sure. look into that uh, tennessee story appreciate it uh first in freedom daily is uh, reporting that the three-man u.s senate race for richard burr's seat the primary um there's a lot of alliances and sniping going back and forth uh, what's interesting is uh, L.A. Caldwell, D.C., her Twitter account, she's a reporter up in D.C., she says, I just asked Senator Tom Tillis about the North Carolina Senate race. After praising Representative Bud and Governor McCrory, he said, incidentally, I did leave Mark Walker out of the Bible candidates category. She replied back, you left him out on purpose? Tillis said, yeah, that's why I wanted to make sure you got it. Uh, I'm, I'm, what, what does he mean by the Bible candidates category? Now, I know that um, Mark Walker is a former pastor, but I'm... I'm yeah, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, am I missing something here? <clears throat> Walker replied to the tweets, thank you, Senator Tom Tillis. Hope it's okay to use this in our fundraising letter. <laughs> Uh, well, as as, stuff. as President Trump has proven, uh, I just don't think tweeting is a good idea in general. <laughs> but well, I think I, you know a, a long time ago, and, and I've got to admit, although I'm spending less and less time on social media, every now and then I see something so outrageous, I've got to respond to it. But as a rule, political debate on social media is a dumb idea. You can't. I mean, it, it, it just it's a dumb idea. Don't you know, do it. Proverbs says something about that. Yeah. Arguing with a fool. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what's the proverb? Uh, you know, 
Keep keep your mouth shut and mm-hmm. let them think you're wise. Open your mouth and they'll know you're a fool. Mm-hmm. Something. I mean, that's the Tom Lamprecht paraphrase like of it. Arguing with fools. Keep quiet, or you'll, lest you'll be just like them. Something like that. I don't remember. Speaking of fools, we're going to take a time out, and we'll be right back. <laughs> show that really makes you think he is a genius he's all powerful he brought a kind of heat he could be the best just don't hurt yourself okay more news and views on talk 96.3 and 103.7 welcome back in 16 minutes before the top of the hour following up on that uh, story that steve Rader had called in about uh, the Breitbart story, Republican Tennessee Governor Bill Lee signed a bill into law Friday that separates private spaces such as bathrooms and locker rooms for use by individuals according to their biological sex. This law means the individuals who are biological males cannot use the restroom for women because they identify as a woman or vice versa. Under the bathroom measure, a student or employee could sue in an effort to claim monetary damages for all psychological, emotional, and physical harm suffered if school officials allow a transgender person into the bathroom or locker room when others are in there. They also could take legal action if required to stay in the same sleeping quarters as a member of the opposite sex at birth unless that person is a family member. The proposal says schools must try to offer a bathroom or changing facility that is single occupancy or that is for employees if a student or employee desires greater privacy when using a multi-occupancy restroom or changing facility designated for their sex at birth. Lee, who is up for re-election next year, has said the bill promotes equality in bathrooms despite the prohibition against transgender people using multi-person facilities that don't align with their sex at birth. The legislation takes effect July the 1st. Uh, sounds good to me. Sounds reasonable to me. By the way, this story is also in the News and Observer. But, uh, you know, it, it's rather curious that all the outrage for the transgenders to have access, there's very little said by the mainstream media for those people who will come off with psychological, emotional, and physical harm suffered. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, if you can, if, if you're a high school male that says, I'm going to identify as a female, and the administration says, fine, you can go in and shower with the girls, that's going to cause some, uh, some big-time psychological and emotional stress for those young ladies, and they should be able to sue. Yeah, I think reasonable accommodations. I mean, I actually have compassionate for compassion for someone that is going through these, these issues. That's I'll just call them issues. <laughs> um, and but not at the not at the expense, cost at the expense yeah, of the yeah. others. It, it, is your rights better than my rights to feel comfortable that you know? Hey, I, I want to shower with boys, or I want to shower with girls, or whatever you know, and, and and providing reasonable accommodations for someone that's going through that, a transgender person that's identifying as the opposite sex, then provide them reasonable accommodations to, you know, have a bathroom or shower to themselves. But you know that's why this is so frustrating because it's it's not just okay we will accommodate you and and we'll also try to accommodate no. privacy. 
the the left wants you to embrace and en- celebrate mm-hmm. and 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 fall in line with their agenda they will not allow me to say I'm okay with what you believe, but it's not right for me. That is not good enough. No, no. I've got to believe what they believe. You've got to embrace it entirely. Or I'm demonized. Bingo. That's the left. You know what's interesting about this, because I'll segue into another story that was in the News and Observer today. The North Carolina Attorney General's office won a major victory yesterday when a judge agreed e-cigarette company Juul had destroyed documents, ignored court orders, and should face sanctions that could reach into the millions of dollars. Durham County Superior Court Judge Orlando Hudson ruled in favor of a pretrial motion that argued Jewel Labs, Inc. violated court orders on providing pretrial evidence in a civil lawsuit brought by Attorney General Josh Stein. The lawsuit contends the company, the nation's biggest e-cigarette maker, marketed its products to minors. Hudson agreed the company should face the stiffest sanctions the state requested, sanctions that a Juul attorney had called the death penalty for its defense. After the ruling, as Special Deputy Attorney Brian Rabinowitz stated, uh, started summarizing the sanctions, Juul attorney Andrew McGann interrupted, saying, I'm sorry, he said, I want to get clarity on what's happening here. Is it your ruling that every single sanction that the state asked for that you're rewarding? Or, he asked, was the judge just giving guidance on each ruling? I have granted the state's request, Hudson said. I think their request for the ultimate sanctions is warranted by the arguments I have heard. All of the sanctions they asked for, McGann repeated, yes, Hudson said. Now, I am not defending e-cigarettes here. And if they've been marketing to minors, they need to be held accountable. I'm not defending that. But I would like to ask the question, and again, I don't think it should be marketing to, to minors. Are e-cigarettes better than cigarettes? Or are they worse? I don't know. I would say no, just because of the simple fact your body's not made to breathe in those type of vapors. Either one of them. Right. Now, neither one right, is right, good right. for you, Fair obviously. Enough. Right. Um, but here's the point I would make, getting back to the whole transgender issue. Would the left who would vehemently be in favor of Juul cigarettes going down in flames, would they be as vehement when it comes to transgender chemical castration or transgender mutilation surgery on minors with no regard to their long-term consequences? Because right now, that's what the left are pushing. They're pushing parents. You get out of the way. You have no business. If a minor decides that they are a transgender and it's a little boy that wants to be a girl and he wants to cut off his male organ, that's up to him, and he ought to have the right to do that. If a young lady decides she wants to remove her breast, she ought to have the right to do that. And it doesn't matter if they're a minor parent, you get out of the way. That is what is being pushed right now. So are, is, the, is the left, and I, I would actually agree with them on this, that you know you shouldn't be marketing e-cigarettes to minors. I agree with that. But is it going to be a different story when it comes to transgender mutilation, which is nothing more than child abuse? And it will happen one day. There are going to be, not too many years down the road, there are going to be lawsuits popping up with people who have gone through this mutilation surgery or this chemical castration. They're going to be wanting to sue. 
because that happened to them as they were minors. Well, the left, I mean, they don't they don't think parents or families should have any control or any role in anything. Yeah. They think the state, you know, they talk about individual rights. They really they want the state to have all the rights over the individual and and the families. And this is just another instance of it, really. Stay with us. News and Views continues right after this. Yes, sir. I'll get right to the point. Constant radical left propaganda. I myself get sick of it. And social injustice wokeness. I really don't understand why these corporations feel like they need to submit to woke culture. Be thankful that there's one place conservative values. All we want is freedom and liberties and less government. There's still values. But it's not just on an American scale. I'm talking about a fight for our freedom. Conservatism is being attacked everywhere. News and views with Tom and Betty on Talk 96.3 and 1037. Dr. Anthony Fauci. Fauciism. He, uh, the Washington <laughs> Examiner is reporting that uh, Fauci and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have been making up the rules as they go with no regard to the scientific data they claim to respect. Uh, we've known for months that COVID-19 vaccines not only prevent infection, but also significantly reduce the transmission of COVID-19 and its variants. This means that fully vaccinated adults should not need to follow long-standing restrictions aimed at reducing the virus's spread. Fauci admitted this week that he, just like every other health expert in the country, knew that this was true, but continued to push coronavirus restrictions for vaccinated adults anyway. He said, Fauci said, quote, I didn't want to look like I was giving mixed signals. Uh, which, he, but the irony he's is, he's Captain Mix Signals. He, he, he <laughs> look up the definition of mixed signals, uh, signals, and there's a picture of Anthony Fauci next to it. I mean, that's all you were doing was giving mixed signals. You were telling people they needed to protect themselves by getting vaccinated, and yet you were wearing a mask 24/7. So your your sign language was, this vaccine doesn't do any good. I still got to wear my mask. Or at the time when before the vaccine and when when the mass craze was in the in the peak of the this pandemic um he was at the washington national baseball game with his mask yeah. off, sitting right next <laughs> to two people so senator Rand paul put it best when he said that this has all been theater that there was no scientific need for Fauci fauci to wear a mask after being fully vaccinated it was just for show that makes fauci one of the most anti-scientists in the room and it's true. A fear model. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's it's political. Hey, listen, um, we're going to take some time off. We're going to do a little R&R for the rest of the week. Uh, so have a great week, and we will be back with you on Monday. So uh, we'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.